0: the word of God for us, open up your hearts and your minds to receive. Amen. 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 Good, morning. Good morning. It is great to be here today to share the word with you all. Um, we have been in a series called the vine. We started this in John chapter 15. If you guys remember where uh, Jesus is teaching, and he says that I am the vine, you are the branches. My father is the gardener. And so we've been in a series of, of just... Diving in a little bit deeper on being connected to the vine and what that means for us now being grafted in Uh, a lot of times we look at um, We look at almost as our responsibility as christians to Almost take place of the gardener at times Uh, We we feel like we become confident in certain things and then we become uh, We we act as the gardener rather as I should say instead of acting like the branches and so this has been really fun for me to, to dive through and to look in. Last week we talked um, specifically about a specific passage of binding and loosing, and this was in the context of community, of dealing with people in community. And uh, I was talking with Dad on Wednesday night, and we were going through um, uh, a couple different examples, and I wanted to make sure I reiterated that I was just referring to that in that context of community and relationship, not that there's not spiritual forces out there that we're also supposed to take authority over and watch people walk into freedom and so this is why i'm also wanting to do a part two of the binding and loosing uh message kind of extend this a little bit more just to make sure that um uh, that what we study and what we what we go through together on sundays is also extremely biblical not just from the um from the studying standpoint but also from the practical standpoint because we need to be practical in the way that we walk out what the bible says amen all right beautiful um, so last week, whenever we went through part one, part one uh, was dealing specifically with correction, how we come uh, to finding cohesive unity in the community of God. So when someone sins against you or you see someone is sinning, uh, brother or sister in the Lord, again, the relational aspect of it, I love that it's the connection of when a brother sins or when a sister sins against you, then that's whenever you go to them. Again, it's within the context of comu- of the community of believers. We don't just take off and go crazy against people who are not believers because they are doing exactly what we expect non-believers to do, just not follow after what the law of the Lord says. Amen? They're not following after Jesus. They're following after their own desires or societal norms, which at oftentimes could also be in contrary to the gospel. And so whenever we are experiencing some of the things that are happening within, uh, within society, it doesn't mean that we keep our mouths shut we can absolutely stand up for biblical principles as we should. But I'm talking about attacking people individually and bringing them down to feel lesser than who they are. We're not supposed to attack people. Um, that's not the, the method that, that Christ has shown us. And so um, whenever someone does sin, it says that you go to that person one-to-one, one-on-one. You don't go to Twitter. You don't go to Facebook first. You don't go to Instagram. You don't go to these places first and then make a passive-aggressive post about that individual or what they're doing you go to that person first especially if you care about that individual and you want them to do well as we all should if we're in a community with one another you have a relative that that you that you care for you want them to do well and so if you see they're slipping up they're doing something they're not supposed to you go to them you approach them and you and you have a have a conversation about what it is that's happening and hopefully truth can be uh wielded out in the midst of that Now, if resolution doesn't happen between the two of you, then it says, and this is again in Matthew chapter 18, we went over this last week. It says you're supposed to bring a couple more people, bring some mediators in there to have some wisdom in that conversation. And that's where it's important for us to have people in our lives where we can count on for wisdom. We have people that we say, okay, I I trust that you can hear from the Holy Spirit. And if I'm acting out of my flesh, then I would love to know about that within this, this conversation that we're having this, with this disagreement. And so you bring wisdom into, uh, into that conversation. And hopefully there you'll find some mediation. You'll find where the truth uh, where the truth is and where the lies are. And you're able to uproot the lies, bind, right? We're able to bind those lies and we're able to loose those things out. Also, if that doesn't work, then you bring it within the community. Then you start to find out what's going on around with the individual, with your own heart. Find out what's, what the problem is. And if that person is walking in continual sin, and, they, and a lot of times they will uh, necessarily almost weed themselves out whenever that comes to the point. If they really want to keep on walking out in sin and participating in things that are contrary to the gospel, they will either be so convicted about it that they will end up removing themselves from the community because they feel shameful in the presence of other believers, because they can sense righteousness in that, in that conversation with those words. And then other times, it may have to be a more, uh, if, they're, if they're more opposing from the sense to where they're trying to divide people, then there has to be a removal of that person from the community in that aspect, because that means that there's some deception. We see that also in Paul's letters to Timothy and to Titus, right? You remember at the tail end of 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul says, hey, look at these two dudes, he names two individuals, and he says, these guys are full of lies, They are false prophets. They are speaking, or they're false teachers. They are speaking incorrectly, and they're teaching incorrectly. And so he names them specifically in the community of believers and say, these guys are wolves in sheep clothing. So we need to make sure that those guys are not a part of this process of teaching and equipping the saints. So that's important. It's important. And this is why, this is why we're doing this. It's because truth is the thing that is, is valuable to us here in this community. We want to make sure that we're walking in truth, and we're walking in the freedom of the truth that, that Christ has set before us. Because if we're walking in deception, then there's all kinds of ridiculousness that can end up unfolding because of that. And so we have to, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Right? Those three, those three together. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so if there is deception, if there's some false accusations going on, then we need to be aware of those things so that we can flesh it out. So that we can t- continue to walk in truth with one another. Amen? Okay, so then that's where he comes in and he says that whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is also loose in heaven. Um, this is important to know that we, whenever it's in the context of community, that it's not, just, it's not just the individual, but it's the concept. We're not just dealing with, we're binding up these people together where we can come stronger. I talked about last week how it's important for us to be unified together and that healing can happen within unity. That's valuable. This also moves into the concept of truth and this is where we're going into from matthew chapter 16 we'll start at the top in verse 1 he says this the pharisees and sadducees came to jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven he replied when evening comes you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red and in the morning today it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. So these Pharisees and Sadducees were asking Jesus for, to perform signs for them so that they can try to verify that he indeed was the Messiah. That the claims that were being made about this man were true or false, but they were asking him to perform for them. And Jesus is like, hey, you, you can you can look up at the sky and you can tell, oh, it's it, there are clouds in the sky. It's going to rain. How many of you guys can do that? You look outside and go, it's really dark. That's a really dark cloud. The temperature changed quite a bit too. I think it's going to rain. You can feel pretty confident about that. You don't have to look at the weather channel or an app on your phone or your watch or anything like that to know that it's going to rain, right? You can see the signs that rain looks like it's coming. You can also look outside and see that The sun is out. There are no clouds. It's going to be a beautiful day today. You can perceive that, right? He said, you guys can do these things, and that's great, but you can't perceive what's going on right in front of you. You can't perceive the things that are happening in these times right now. Interesting, one of the signs of Jonah that happened when Jonah came is that he preached repentance. Repentance was the thing that he preached to to the city of Nineveh. Jesus came so that people could turn their hearts from their wicked ways and also from their performance. Especially the the Pharisees and Sadducees, which they were very performance oriented. There is a piece, a little sidebar for you. uh, When the woman with the issue of blood came over and she reached and she grabbed the hem of Jesus's garments. There's a passage in Isaiah that says that um, there's healing in his wings. And that that wings, healing in his wings also represents the um, the cords That were placed on the edges of the garments of the priests and those who would walk around. And so um, interestingly enough, Jesus also accused the Pharisees of lengthening their cords, lengthening their own cords Mm -hmm. to show importance. When you had longer cords, it showed the importance, a greater importance that they had within the community the within the religious community. And so the longer cords that you would have, especially when it came to the headdresses that you would have and the different things, if you knew anything about the ancient culture, what you wore was not just a fashion statement that you made because you really enjoyed that color. What you wore was very telling of your position or your title within the community. And so when they lengthened their own cords, they were lengthening their own importance, trying to make it appear as though they were more important than who they were. And so Jesus pinpoints much of the time the performance-oriented nature of especially these religious leaders. And so repentance is something that's very valuable and something that John the Baptist was preaching before Jesus even came and showed up on the scene. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. And so verse five, he says this, when they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Verse 7. They discussed this among themselves and said, Is it because we didn't bring any bread? Aware of their, dis- their discussion, Jesus said, You have little faith. Why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves uh, of, for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? For the seven loaves, for the 4,000, how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it that you don't understand that I was not talking about bread? Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. What was one of the last things that the Pharisees and Sadducees were asking of jesus before they left and went across for a sign they were asking for a sign god just give me a sign jesus give me a sign right here this is all i need jesus said the sign that you need is the sign of repentance to turn your heart from needing things and turn your heart towards me repent for the kingdom of heaven is here not repent so you can get all the things benefited from having the kingdom of heaven here. Verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? See, this is important. This is really important to recognize. Jesus asked them, who do people say that I am? So they were aware. They were very aware because they've been around. They've, they've been to different cities, different towns, different regions. Um, they w- even went back home at different times, and they were able to still spend time with their families, go back to their communities. And so they heard lots of chatter about this man, Jesus. Who do people say that I am? And this is like, man, there's all kinds of wild stuff that people are saying. They're saying this, that, that, you're this prophet, you're that prophet, you're this kind of a figure, you're that kind of a figure. And then he says, okay, cool. So we know now what everybody else is saying. You guys read Twitter. You guys have been checking all the feeds. You guys have been around town. We're in Popper Bluff, this small community. You hear about one person's problem and you hear about everybody's problems, right? If you're around any kind of person, you get to hear all kinds of gossip of what's going on. Especially if you're on social media, then you're really getting all the, all the gossip of stuff that's going on in people's lives. You heard the stuff. This is what people are saying. So that's, that's fine. You, you recognize that. You, you've heard all the stuff. All the conspiracy theories, all these things. Great. Wonderful. However, who do you personally say that I am? Beware of the yeast— of the Pharisees and Sadducees. This is what other people are saying about Jesus. We can be on all the social media accounts. You can read all the blogs, you can watch all the videos, you can do all these different things and hear other people's opinions about who Jesus is. And that's great and wonderful. I mean they they gave Jesus high praise by saying that he was like Elijah. They loved Elijah. The people of israel did i mean the things that he did against ahab and jezebel good grief he stood up against two of the most corrupt and wicked kings and queens that that israel had had ever had i mean shoot we still talk about them today and call it the ahab spirit and the jezebel spirit that's how prominent these people were in evil <laughs> in their reign and elijah stood up against those two called down and and prayed, and God sent fire from heaven, consuming the altar, proving that God is the God of all gods. And then Elijah killed all the false prophets. That's a pretty sweet dude to be compared to throughout history, right? The guy who prayed, they dumped a bunch of water on the altar, and God sent fire and consumed the altar? That's That's a marvel movie right there. Just to think about, I mean, fire consuming a damp altar, while all these other guys are, like, cutting themselves and, like, claiming that their God is, like, doing whatever, and is like, dude, your God's sleeping. He took a nap. He's on the john. Your God is taking a bathroom break? Like, he talked smack and fire consumed the altar. And then he killed everybody after that. That's a baller. (laughs) That's a pretty sweet dude. So they compared Jesus to him. That's high praise. High praise. They also said Jeremiah, the guy who helped build, he built the wall. Sorry, Nehemiah, Jeremiah. Sorry, I'm mixing my prophets up. (laughs) so, So he's being compared to this prophet, to that prophet, to all these different figures, all these different people who made huge, huge impacts on their nation. That's awesome. That would be great. However, he was greater than all of them. It's not about what other people say about Jesus. That's the most important. Who do you... Say that he is. I know that he is my savior, but do you know that he's your savior? If you truly know that. Then is he also the Lord of your life or is he just conceptually a savior? We can all agree in this room that he is a savior. He is the he is the savior, but is he your savior? He is I'm going to say that again. He is the savior, but is he your savior? So he said, but what about you? Who do you say I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Verse 17, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, of jo- uh, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Here's something important before we move on. We find two different scenes. Two conversations, but they align with one another. Jesus had the conversation with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And then told his disciples, because the Pharisees and Sadducees demanded a sign. Then Jesus said, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Beware of something that could be planted inside of you from somebody else's interpretation of something. And beware of that growing inside of you and then multiplying. Beware of lies about Jesus and how that could creep into your mind and multiply in various ways as you give it life. Beware of these lies. Jesus asks the disciples, he says, who do people say I am? Lie number one, he's Elijah. Great comparison, honorable comparison, marvelous comparison, still a lie. The compliment was still a lie. He's Jeremiah, a lie. Great compliment. He was a great prophet. We have a whole book with his name on it. In the Old Testament, but it was still a lie. Some say your other prophets, still a lie. It was a compliment. Are you hearing me? It was a compliment, but it was still a lie. Many of the Pharisees and Sadducees were fine with saying that he was a prophetic voice, but they were not fine with calling him the Messiah. They were fine with saying that he was an anointed individual but they were not fine with calling him the anointed one. The enemy loves to place a lie in a partial truth. He loves to place lies inside of those. And so we have to be aware of manipulation So that it doesn't plant a a small seed and then grow, causing you to completely derail from the place that you're at. Deconstructionists do this often. They take a concept like the church is not the building. We can all agree the church is not the building, amen? Okay. They take maybe a partial truth of an individual took too much authority and abuse their power as, as a leader. And they took that and applied it across the board. Allowed that to multiply into every single leader and every single person that holds a positional title. And says they're all bad. That's a lie. Saying that every single person who's in a, a ministry leadership position is evil to the core in their intentions and behaviors. That's a lie. Are there some? Absolutely. Is it everyone? Not the case. And the de- deconstructionists will take that, and they'll break down everything. Every, every single thing will crumble after that, leaving them with, without a faith, leaving them either atheistic or agnostic. Because they've removed Christ from the center of everything. And they've, they've allowed their eyes to only see a leader and not see Christ who is actually the head of the church. they saw a corrupted individual in the midst of the kingdom who needed to bring to who needed to be brought to correction and they applied they copy and pasted that across the board for everything and everyone we see the things throughout the news with different people who have been treated who have been mistreated and we copy and paste that across the board for everything try not to step in it but here we go people apply this whenever we talk about god created man and woman and they're supposed to be the the two that go into an institution of marriage and all of a sudden you're called a homophobe you are called a transphobe you're called a bigot right because there's a disagreement between you and the culture that's around you Because of this color of your skin, you're either an extremely oppressed individual or you're the oppressor of all individuals. Come on, does this make sense? Are there oppressors? Absolutely. Are there people who are oppressed? Absolutely. Are everybody oppressors? No. Is everybody oppressed? No. Um, Are there people who are homophobic? Yes. Is everyone homophobes? Can you be a Christian and not be a homophobe? Yes. Yes. Do we agree with the lifestyle? No. Do we also agree with people who commit adultery? No. Okay. (laughs) We're doing great. You guys are great. (laughs) A plus. (laughs) The enemy loves to take partial truths and turn them into complete lies, but present it as if it is the truth. What is the truth about Jesus? Who do you say that Christ is? That's going to be the most important thing. We're not going to stand collectively, you and me, all of us together, as we, as we walk up and meet Jesus. And he goes, okay, all of you guys, we're just going to do a group grading session, okay, to figure out what this process is going to look like, okay? We've had a lot of people come through. I'm really tired today. You know, Saint Peter's—he's been working real hard. He needs a fifteen-minute break. So what we're going to do—we're just going to do a huge blanket statement here for everybody, and what everybody uh, continuously agrees with, we're just going to go. No, he's going he, we are going to meet Jesus face to face, and he's going to say, "Depart from me, I never knew you." Or, "Well done, my good and faithful servant." It, it, It's—it. Who do you say that Christ is? Not what does everybody? Not what does Pastor Zach say? Now, what does an online pastor say? Now, what does the, the, the latest, I don't know, person on social media that you follow for everything that you want to be able to know about all the gospel, what they say? It's who do you say that Jesus is? Whenever things get hard, who do you say Jesus is? When things are going well, do you still honor Christ? Or is it all about yourself that you did so great that you're just, you know, so worthy of honor in every single thing that you do because you're wonderful? Who do you say that Christ is? When things are great, when things are horrible, and when things are right there in the middle. Who do you say that Jesus is? And then we continue from here. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord," he said. "This should never happen to you." Jesus turned and said to Peter, "Get behind me, Satan! You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have me in mind. Uh, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns." Then Jesus said to his disciples, "Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it." What good would it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels, and then he will be rewarded. Then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly I tell you, some who uh, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the son of man coming in his kingdom. Jesus went from one one spot of saying and look at that. God, you, this, this revelation you had was not from yourself. You received this from the Lord. You received this from the Father in heaven. To then rebuking him and calling him the accuser. Whatever you bind on earth is also bound. Uh, there's another translation that says, will have been bound in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. A huge part of this is is deception. The deception of the enemy. If you can pinpoint a lie of the enemy, then it's very, it's almost certain that sooner or later that demonic oppressive voice will be scattered once you start to illuminate the truth. When you really start to envelop the truth, and again, that's what that's where this this the whole process and what I was talking about last week, the process of confronting one another in uh, in, in hopes of restoration with one another and to, to bind together in unity is because when you have conversations, the truth will be made known. If we're not having conversations with one another, then you cannot find the truth. And then lies and deception will continue to roll out and, and continue to process through. And then that little lie will turn into a bigger lie, and that bigger lie will turn into a bigger one. And then you may feel like you can get away with even more of that deception. And then you can even get to a process where you believe that that was the actual truth because you've been lying for so long. Yeah. Part, of the, part of the process of binding and loosing in the midst of community from what we're, what we're talking about in this context with community is that we are binding the lies and loosing them from the community. And we're binding ourselves together together Come on, we're binding ourselves together to the vine that we have been called to be grafted into. This is the process of walking out in holiness. You want a fresh, fresh fire? Fire also produces a burning process. When you are in the midst of fire, it burns. It burns away that which does not need to be there. It's a purification system. Sometimes we're asking for, for even, God, we need a fresh move. We need a fresh this. And he's saying, you haven't done the last thing that I asked you to do, and you're already asking for something else. Yeah. Have you been actually reading your word and getting to know what truth sounds like and what truth, truth is about? Or are you just gaining concepts from different voices and then hoping that that sticks and then walking out concepts? Or are you, for yourself, reading and studying and knowing the truth? Because the truth is the thing that will set free the truth is the thing that sets you free we can go through 45 sessions of deliverance right here in the front and then you walk out and go right back to being demonized come on you can get deliverance right here and then walk out and continue in sin and go back to being demonized amen so it's not just the deliverance portion that needs to happen here it's the truth person who's helping you walk through deliverance is aware of the truth of the power of the gospel th- and, and the power of jesus christ to set you free but if you don't believe that then you will not walk out in freedom you will just walk right back into bondage who do you say that jesus is if we are not doing our due diligence of getting to know christ and loving christ then we're going to walk in bondage for the rest of our days. Happy and content that this is just where I'm at. Because this is just this is just my cross to bear. No it's not. You were not meant to walk in bondage. Jesus went to the cross so that you can be free. It is for freedom that Christ set you free. Galatians 1. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. When we walk in deception, we begin to build our own we begin to build our own style of kingdom that is outside the kingdom of heaven. When you allow yourself to walk in deception, you begin to build monuments and castles that have no meaning in the kingdom. And you begin to live from this place of fairy tale land instead of walking in the truth that Jesus has set before us. And much of this has to deal with the relationship with one another. There are many things that we can't see that other people can see in our lives. But we have to be willing to be confronted. We have to be willing and open to hear correction. We have to be willing and open to understand that we're not going to have the right answer every single time. And then, if there is a disagreement between a few people, let's make it a little bit more of a party. Let's bring a couple more people in it, <laughs> and figure out what the deal is. It's important. If if really we want to grow, if you really want to grow and learn, then you realize that God also gives great insights to other people, so that we can learn and grow with and uh, with one another, and from one another's examples. Each and every one of us. There's not one person who has an exact same life as the other person. I have three other siblings and. All four of us have experienced life differently. We have similar things that we can, um, we can relate to because we grew up one in the same household, but all four of us are different individuals. We have different personalities. We have different, um, uh, different takes on things. Uh, we have different households now. We ha- there's lots of differences between us, but we can relate on some things. But just because we grew up in the same household doesn't mean that we're identical in everything that we do. Not one person is identical to the other. So we can learn a lot from one another if we take the time to listen when the Holy Spirit is is moving and speaking. And if we're intentional in our own lives, then the Lord will use us as a mouthpiece for others as well. But if we're not intentional in knowing the truth, then when we open our mouths, we could actually be leading people into into deception. Matthew 18, right before he gets through that, that part, of uh, of binding and loosing in the people in the uh in the community dealing with them one-on-one on one, then in a group and then the binding and loosing of of the individuals from there right before then he says not to deceive the little children it's better for someone to tie have a millstone tied around their neck and throw them into the ocean than it is for them to lead cho- little children into deception now we're talking about the community of the little guys People are learning from us left and right. I work in education. Um, I've been, been in education for over a decade now, and, and it's very interesting to see the way the kids respond and how they learn so quickly, especially now having Lyrica in the household. Like, my goodness. That is, she picks up stuff super quick, and she's in a repeating stage right now. to where everything you say, she's going to repeat it real quick and let you know what it is that you just said. So you start to hear and understand that it's not just the way that I think That affects me or affects my wife. Now it also affects the next generation. So now it's not just who do you say that I am for my own sake. Who do I say that Christ is now as a representative of the gospel to my daughter? How am I representing the gospel? to the little guys who are watching and paying attention to every little thing that we get to do. Where's the truth? Where's the lie? Are we allowing ourselves to walk in deception because it just feels good to do certain things, but it's not quite what Jesus wants us to? We know it's not right. Nobody's looking. Nobody's going to really know. It's whatever. It's just a couple of my friends. Maybe I'm just the only person at the house. It doesn't even matter, whatever. These little deceptive things plant seeds and will continue to grow and sometimes i mean there's some trees that it takes them hundreds of years to get to the point where they're at today (coughs) from little bitty seedlings all the way up to these massive trees it takes centuries for some of these trees to do that so you're not going to see an immediate massive crater form in your in your soul as soon as something happens that, that, that comes from a traumatic process of whatever goes on in life. No, these little bitty seeds of deception get planted and they grow little bit by little bit. So much so to where you don't even notice that it's grown because it's just been a part of what's happened. And now that leaks into every single thing that you do, every person that you're around, everyone that you influence. Who do you say that Christ is? If you truly say that he is not just the Savior, but he's your Savior, then how does that affect your life? We're excited to come here on Sunday mornings, and for those of you guys who come on Wednesdays, on Wednesdays, and you know, we, we'll be here, we'll lift our hands, we'll praise. It's wonderful, the presence of God is great. We'll listen to whoever stand up here and talk for a little while, and you know thinking about food for a little bit, too. You know, it's getting close to it. All right, that's awesome. This is just a tradition that we do on Sundays and Wednesdays. Wonderful, cool. I did my thing. That was great. I was in the presence, thank God. It's in his presence. But what about whenever you leave? Do you have the same reverence for the presence of God whenever you're at home? When you're speaking with your spouse? When you're speaking to your kids? When you're speaking to your friends? When you're flicking through stations on the TV? When you're going through watching shows on Netflix? When you're going to the store, things you're picking up? When you go to your friend's house and people's houses and they're engaging in frivolous activities? Do you have the same reverence for the presence of God there? Or did you decide to put the, the Ark of the Covenant the presence of God on a different cart instead of holding it on your shoulders. I'm going to circle back around to that, to that passage from first Sam- or Second Samuel 6. I was talking to one of my Old Testament professors. He wrote a, um, uh, a commentary series on the Chronicles, and that story is in First Chronicles as well, and so there's some insights that we are chatting about that I cannot wait to talk about. So we're going to do that here sooner or later. Um, but I think it's, it's, so, it's so important and so valuable that if we negate the truth and we just go into practicing specific activities that make it seem like you're religious, then you just turned into a Pharisee and a Sadducee. That's all you did. You removed the truth. You were looking at the signs of the times, but you can't recognize that Christ is in the midst of us through his Holy Spirit, that his Holy Spirit is not just here. He's also in you, and you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so everywhere you go, everything you say, everything you do, every conversation you have is all predicated with the Holy Spirit living inside of you. That's why we're called sanctified, is we're holy, we're supposed to be set apart. We're supposed to look different than the ones who are around us that, that do not follow after Christ. There should be a difference. should be a difference. If there's not a difference, then we understand that Jesus is the Savior, but he is not your Savior. That's tough. That's tough to think about because we live in an American society that evangelicalism is just a part of, of, of much of, of society. Whether if it's the butt end of the joke or it's an actual part of your life, it's, it's still recognized to where people know about, about Jesus Christ. I mean, shoot, Family Guy has mentioned Jesus many different times and had different depictions in there. So you don't even have to be a believer to recognize that there was a Jesus Christ figure that people follow after. Even other religions recognize that Jesus Christ was a prophet or a person of interest. He cannot just be the Savior. He has to be your Savior. He cannot just be the anointed one. He has to be the anointed one that you follow. Everyone has to pick up their cross and follow after Christ. The burden that we carry, again, I mentioned this the other day, it's not that we're, we're not supposed to have any burdens or any mantle. We're supposed to lay our burdens that we take from sin, the burden of sin, death, hell, and the grave. And we lay those things at the, at the cross, at the foot of the cross. And then we, put, we take his burden and his yoke. He said, is they're easy and it's light. So it doesn't mean that it's not there. It just means that it's different than the one that you were carrying before you knew Christ. Quit putting that burden back on your shoulders. Quit holding that yoke back there, thinking that you're going to have everything figured out. Because you can be a Pharisee on, on, on the this, on this stage or on the pl- in the pews or, you know, in a serving in kids church or in the nursery or wherever that you feel like you're feeling validated right now. whether you have a good job or you have, you know, a success in, in this or that, you're Pharisee. If you do not have Christ as your Savior, you're just playing a part. You're lengthening your own cords by claiming that you are someone that you're not. Man, that's, that's something that we all have to be aware of. We all have to be aware of it. There are plenty of pastors who are in that same position to where they study, they study the Bible and they're able to preach a great message, but their heart is empty. Because they don't follow after Christ. They punch a pay stub. Everybody has to pick up their cross and follow after Jesus. Every single person. Every one of us. Where's the lie? Where's the deception? Are we in community and are we having conversations with other people so that they can pick those things out? The only way that Danielle and I grow closer together is through conversations. It's the only way that we can grow closer. Otherwise, we're just roommates. I don't want to have a roommate, I have a spouse. And in order for us to really be as, as the Bible says, when two become one flesh, in order for us to continue to be one flesh, we have to continue to have conversation so that that one flesh mentality can stay unified. Otherwise, we become sick because we're divided. We have to have conversation within the body of Christ with brother and sister. We have to dialogue so we can find, if, is there a root, is there a lie that's rooted in that we've believed, that's allowed us to act in certain ways or to just think, think wrong things about Jesus? Again, they could be compliments. Remember, they said that he's Elijah. They said he's, he's Jeremiah. They said he's all these prophets. Great compliments, a lie. That's not who he is. He's the one that they had been waiting for, the Messiah. And then in the same vein, whenever whenever he approved and he uh, praised Peter for listening to the, to the Father, the revelation from the Father, right after that, He rebuked him and called him the accuser. That's community. Because in one sense, we can hear a great revelation from the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't mean that we're, just because we heard one good thing from the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that, that there's not a lie that we could also have uprooted from our mentality. Jesus was quick. He was quick too. He let him know. He said, listen here. Slap that dude with truth <laughs> he said this is this was my purpose was to come here and to die for you and you're going to tell me that i'm not going to do the purpose that i was sent here for he was like get thee behind me you're a stumbling block yeah. lies are stumbling blocks for you to be able to walk out in the truth that jesus has for you we have to be aware have to be aware of lies and that's within the community so that we can bind those lies and cast those things out we can bind each other together and get rid of the chaff. The enemy is quick to throw lies. There's a book by C.S. Lewis, really, really interesting book, um, called The Screwtape Letters. If you've never read it, I highly recommend that you do so. It is, yes, prayerfully. It is it is very convicting to see he, he takes a he takes a very illustrative and poetic sense of um, of what what a lie from the demonic could actually do for an individual. What the enemy tries to do in infiltrating someone's thought process about who they are and, and who Christ is in them. It's very interesting. The, the perspective he takes is he takes from a demon writing his uncle about the way that he's been oppressing different humans. Wormwood, wormwood and screw tape. And they have this dialogue together. About different tactics that they take on manipulating humans and removing them from the destiny that god had for them Very very interesting, but it's It's good for us to to be aware that the enemy tries to feed us lies consistently And I mean he is the father of lies He is the king of taking truth and manipulating it just a little bit did god really say In the garden, right the fruit wasn't bad. It was the disobedience that was bad should never be about the concentration of a fruit. Right? We shouldn't be looking around for, the, for this specific fruit and figuring out, okay, where's the garden? We need to find the fruit and destroy the tree. That's the thing. No, don't, don't disobey God. That's the premise of that. They disobeyed the voice of the Lord, and in that it brought death. The lie. Did God really say? We need to uproot lies with the truth. Because the truth is the thing that will set you free. And Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Knowing how, knowing what he says about who we are is one of the most valuable things that we can have. Because then we really know our value and our worth in the kingdom. Again, going back to Matthew 5, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they'll be satisfied. Blessed are the meek, they'll inherit the earth. Blessed are those who mourn, they'll be comforted. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Come on, when we go through these processes of understanding what the kingdom of heaven is, then you start to understand that this is much deeper than I had anticipated it to be with just surface level activities. Uproot lies hold tightly to truth bind up the lies of the enemy cast those suckers out yeah. bind up with one another when there's conflict it's not fun i hate i hate conflict and when i say i hate it i mean like we we tell kids like don't use the word hate if you don't mean it i mean it i do not like conflict <laughs> i'm not a, a conflicting individual but it is so valuable and so important for us to be able to walk in the midst of conflict so that we can find peaceful resolution at the end of that. Blessed are the peacemakers, right? A peacemaker is someone who walks into a chaotic situation and then brings peace in the midst of it. Not someone who never experiences any kind of conflict. Whenever you have someone who has a hostage situation, they call in someone who's a sp- who specializes in bringing that person from a position of chaos into understanding and releasing those hostages and then being able to surrender themselves peacefully. They're looking for a peaceful resolution. They are very skilled and talented at being able to do that job. They are a peacemaker. Not that they're all the time in peace. They're probably the most in conflict than anybody else is because they're dealing with people who are consistently doing stupid stuff. But blessed are the peacemakers. We have to be able to walk out in this. This is important for us iron sharpens iron that is not a, a gentle pillowy process <laughs> it's not pillow sharpens pillow softens pillow that's not the that's not the phrase it's iron sharpens iron it's a tough process we have to be we have to get better at being uncomfortable so that we can walk out in the true design that God has for us which is to be unified as a body and to honor him as our savior our messiah not just the messiah who's out there and who does great things and i acknowledge that yeah sure he's the christian messiah no no no. is he your savior and if he is then we need to be pursuing his truth because he is the absolute truth and thwarting the lies of the enemy binding and loosing if we're only practical, then we'll miss the spiritual. If we're only spiritual, we will miss the practical. We have to marry the two together. We are soul, spirit, soul, and body. We're more than just flesh, but we're also more than just spirit. Let's stand. Jesus tells the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, he says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. If you look all throughout John's writings, I mentioned this before, but if you look throughout John's writings, every time he mentions the spirit, for the most part, the majority of the time, it's the spirit of truth. All throughout John's writings, the book of John, the, go- the, the gospel according to John, 1 John, 2 John, 3rd John. He mentions the Spirit, it's the Spirit of Truth. God is Spirit. Those who worship Him must, must worship Him in the spirit of truth, which is in truth. He is called the Holy Spirit, not just Spirit. We've mentioned much of holiness and the importance of holiness in previous messages. And we cannot I cannot reiterate it enough, the importance of holiness in the midst of our lifestyle. We have to pursue holiness. We have to pursue truth. Those things are are aligned and attached. You cannot have a holy standard without truth of what that standard is. You cannot have, have, have a God of love without holiness either. Because who God loves, he disciplines. And without a standard, there could be no discipline because there's any standard. Yeah. This is so valuable for us. This, is, this may be Christianity 101, but this is something that we cannot just move past and, and feel like we've just got it, and that's it. We have to be passionate about truth. Not my truth or your truth or their truth or whoever's truth or the universe's truth. It is is the truth set before us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The truth set before us in God's design and God's purposes. I cannot falter. I can have feelings about all kinds of different things, but it's not by my design that the world was created. It was by the design of a holy righteous and purified God. He is holy. He gave us his Holy Spirit. And so when we walk in ways that are unholy and unrighteous, it grieves the Holy Spirit. When we have lies that are a part of our thought process, it grieves the Holy Spirit because he is the spirit of truth. When we are in deception, it it, it grieves the Holy Spirit. And when we refuse to be in a community of believers and and refuse to be challenged, refuse to be corrected, it grieves the Holy Spirit. cannot just be the savior he has to be your savior father thank you so much for your word thank you for conviction thank you for your holy spirit thank you that it's not just this building that you're in thank you that it's not about this location but thank you god that it's about you dwelling inside of us and that as we draw in community with one another that you are made present in the midst of conflict because your truth will be made known as we seek after your truth Lord, thank you that when we pray alone, that you're there. That when we pray corporately like this, you're here. That, Father, when we worship by ourselves, you're there. That when we worship together, that you're here. Thank you, God, that in every single thing that we do, that you have grace for us, for the process, but you are, you are passionate about us coming into the true knowledge of, of, of who you are. Lord, I pray that you increase conviction in our lives, so that whenever we are grieving you, that we are made known about it, and then it grieves our own soul, knowing that we, that we have, have moved away from your standard. But thank you for the grace that, that, you, have, that you have for us, Lord, for your mercy. That just the, the, the price of one sin is, is death, but you gave us eternal life through your son, Jesus Christ. So thank you for the mercy that you've given us that you forgive our sins and that you help us walk out in complete salvation. Father, I pray that, that wounds internally that have been inflicted upon different people from their pasts, from past relationships, past encounters, past mistakes, that those wounds be made well, be made whole, that those wounds become healed so that we can walk without a without without wound so that we don't wound other people because of the past things that we've encountered Lord help us to grow closer together with one another help spouses become closer with one another and open up conversation help families open up more in conversation and grow closer with one another help friends grow closer with one another and, and, and drive further into the necessity and the need for community so that we can understand your word through the encounters that we've all had yeah. with you God Lord, help us be pursuers of truth. Help us, help us to study and have desires to study the word. That Lord, we don't have to be professors at universities, but we need to be able to have the confidence of you as our Savior as we go through and reread, so that whenever we're around different people, it's not our feelings that get oozed out on them, but it's your desires and it's your example that ends up being the thing that's in the showcase of our, of our lives. come against every lie of the enemy right now in jesus name every single lie that combats the gospel every single lie that combats the identity of the believer and makes them feel less than they are and i pray that your truth just be breathed into their hearts right now in jesus name spirit thank you for your love thank you for the standard that you set before us in scripture and I pray that we walk these things out in greater capacities every single day in Jesus name everybody said amen are you guys encouraged this morning didn't beat you up too bad (laughs) right okay good (laughs) Praise the Lord. The truth is good. The word is good.